What's up guys, this is Brad in post-editing form. Wanted to let you know that after this recording took place, within 24 hours, Wizards actually announced on Moto that the cap for Pioneer Leagues is, you know, 32 again. So, want to let you know that that happened, but everything that we say and all the conversations that we have in this episode, we still stand by, we still mean the sentiment that we, you know, we have, and uh, we hope you guys do as well. And uh, without any more delay, here's the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, I am joined by Alex. Alex, say hi. Hello. Obviously, my name is Brad, and we are joined by a wonderful special guest today. Ruckman from the Crew 3 podcast. Say hello. Hello. How's it going? Wonderful. Uh, it's been a long time coming to be able to kind of get you on, or at least uh, do something with each other, whether it's on here or vice versa. Um can't have the whole crew here, but I sure, I'm sure that would actually be really tough to do with five people. Yeah, um, we, we've, yeah. we've done four because we had Emma Handy on like a year ago, and that was that was a lot. Essentially, one of our hosts just sort of sat there twiddling his thumbs the whole time because he didn't want to keep going over someone. Yeah. Oh, I, I could imagine. Like Even when just bringing guests on like this uh, and having three people, it can be like... We had the four people one with uh, Doomwake. That one was tricky enough, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun. Well, we'll have to do it sometime but, and have like a big Brady Bunch setup with just boxes everywhere. <laughs> oh, this will have to be recorded <laughs> with face cams. We'll actually have to put it up online on YouTube and stuff like that. That actually be really cool. I, I would love to see that. It needs to just have the five face cams and like a roulette, and everyone like they spin the wheel, and that person gets to talk, and oh. then it has to be spun again. <laughs> Wait, there's there's Discord's new uh, uh, little feature that came out a while ago. The uh, the the stage. We can do that. It's like you get priority. It's like it's like the talking <laughs> pillow from Breaking Bad where you hand it around. <laughs> we can do that. But as wonderful it is to have you on, it's I, I would I use this term lightly. It's bittersweet because we're having this as a state of uh, the format type of episode. This is um, going to be a quicker one than usual for us. Um, we probably shouldn't go two hours or anything like that, like usual. Uh, at least I hope we don't. We just want to talk real quick about where Pioneer is at as a format, Wizards, uh, what they've been doing with the format, and uh, the, the recent events. And that starts with this last, what, three weeks of uh, challenges being pretty consistent. And we've had the worst luck if, of anything and everything that could possibly happen has just been happening. Back in April, we around the 15th, we had uh, Wizards announce, hey, we're going back up on Legacy and Pioneer to keeping the 64 minimum cap for challenges. We, we feel great about the, the way that for challenges have been firing lately, and we're going to keep it at that. And they did fire for a, a couple weeks, uh, and then we got around to Mother's Day. And Mother's Day uh, that weekend, challenges didn't fire. Um, it was both, obviously, Mother's Day. That's a holiday you probably don't want to spend on Moto if you have some kind of relationship with your mother. Uh, that <laughs> probably wouldn't be great. She'd probably be very upset with you. And uh, not only that, we had multiple PTQs coinciding with the challenges as well. And just poor scheduling at Wizards part. That's the first thing. Then, I kind of said this a couple weeks ago, I was worried that people would be on the outside looking in, seeing this happen. And for me, and I'm sure for you guys as well, we're pretty invested in the format. Obviously, we have podcasts about it. That's our whole thing. This is our favorite format. And... It took me a little bit of digging around on Twitter, talking to MTGO grinders like Traft uh, and you know, Ahmed and uh, things like that to figure out 
why the challenges weren't firing to, to see if, oh, there's a scheduling conflict, things like that. Imagine a, pers a person that's, you know, a bit more casual with a format or they just enjoy Pioneer. They'll see challenges not firing. They don't know why. And they just assume, oh, format's, you know, dead or dying. I'm not going to worry about even trying to load up. And that kind of makes a snowball effect. That also coincides with the release of Modern Horizons. And then we actually had a week of the format or the, the challenges actually firing. And then they shut the servers and off. And moto crashed. Yeah. <laughs> They, they like, saw okay. they saw the green lights right. on the front on Saturday and they're like that can't happen Sunday no 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 yeah <laughs> uh, and and then again it, it snowballs again and we're in this weird lull for Pioneer um, just like standard in a sense where there's not a whole lot going on we're waiting for the D and D set slash like core set thing uh, and then transition to the fall and then of course the big one is obviously Modern Horizons two. Everyone's talking about that, so people are going to be playing more modern and legacy. So that's why we're here today, to kind of be like, is the format okay moving forward? Because this is this is a little bit of a you know a concern, right? I guess the first thing to address is let's look at the format. Is Pioneer okay right now? Is Pioneer in a good spot, uh, or is it even enjoyable? Uh, Ruckman, what do you think? Uh, Pioneer's great. I mean. Um I not one of the people when when I do content other than the podcast and things like that, right? I don't. I'm not one of the streamers that are. I'm making my my living off of streaming. I'm not focused on the one deck trying to tune it. I like to sort of just show off the format holistically, show a different deck every stream here and there. And there's a lot of fun to be had in Pioneer. There are some matchups, you know, I don't particularly find enjoyable to play against, but that's just magic in general, right? I think this is the best the format's been probably since what I would call the golden age of, like, pre-Theros, beyond death, probably. I mean, you yeah. know, that those first few months of between when the format first launched and essentially COVID lockdown and Theros kind of strangleholding, because, I mean, lockdown happened, what, two weeks after, at least in the U.S., that Theros came out. Because I remember, essentially, we went to PAX where Theros pre-released, and then Chris and I went to an, a Super IQ the next weekend, and then the next weekend was, like, the last event before everything shut down. So um, I think one of the weird things with Pioneer is just without paper play, that was a big driving factor of the format. Yeah. And I know Alex has said this multiple times. Pioneer is a paper Yeah, Pioneer is a paper format. It, it's yeah. Oh, go ahead. Like it, no, you... Uh, I was just going to... Unfortunately, right... Pioneer wasn't made for the enfranchised MTGO players. It was made for the players who were coming fresh. Maybe they played for a few years. They had a standard collection. They could easily go back and buy some staples from previous sets, play some exciting stuff, not have to find, buy a whole new collection, not to buy into modern. And MTGO is a lot of, it's seen as an older, um, an older program. It uses a lot of, it's a lot of, that's like the home of modern legacy. And so when you had paper play go away, right. And there is, there wasn't going to be a big conversion rate of people who were enjoying playing pioneer, their locals into the MTGO space. And that's where a lot of the player base fell off. And I think that's a lot of what we've seen as could be seen as the real problem with pioneer. Cause I think the format in itself is fine. The decks are fine. You know, like I said, there's a deck that I'd not particularly happy with, but eventually they got the right bands going, you know, maybe a, a bit too band happy on a couple cards, but I think the Pioneer power level wise is in a good spot. It's 
people to see take the time to tune decks again. Yeah, I, th I think your point about MTGO is like really well put. Uh, it, it's kind of a bit like, you know, when you go when you go to like a pub and like all the regulars have the nice tables and that's like modern and legacy. And Pioneer gets like that table under the stairs where every time someone goes up or down the stairs, you get a little bit anxious if dirt from their shoes like gonna fall between the cracks of the stairs. And that's kind of like Pioneer on MTGO. Um, but the format itself, I th I think is absolutely, I think it is a wonderful format. And we talked a little bit before we started. You did a uh, seven-tick series. I honestly, it started off as a one-week thing, and then I kept it going for a whole other week. And it's probably it really. Like, I'm not going to say I was really dour on Pioneer, but it really reinvigorated me to my excitement and enjoyment of the format since it really came about. It's probably the most fun I've had playing at least Pioneer myself in a few months, just because I wasn't playing the same. 10 or so deck list, just really getting out there. And you'd be surprised. And again, we're playing seven ticks because if you go to Mana Trader's website, you can sign up for a free seven tick account. And it's been a lot of fun. You'd be surprised. As long as you don't want to play with Shocklands or Thoughtseize, you could get away with a lot. Yeah, I've seen some of them. Yeah, I actually didn't know about this, so I, I definitely And I think Card will. Traders has like, a could... five tick limit, but of course, you know, Mana Traders gets you a couple ticks more. So. Yeah. I, I've, I, I've actually I had an account. Can yeah, you do both? Combine both of them exactly. Get, get a yeah, get, get a get 12, twelve ticks. 12 ticks. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just get just get like half a deck here, half a deck there. Oh, that's great. You can get one thoughtsies. There you go. And then you're gonna be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I you I get agree. one thoughtsies, but you don't get to pick what art. <laughs> uh, I agree though. I I like. I think Pioneer is great. I've said this so many times. I'm first off, I'm always sick of people like, you know, saying Pioneer's bad or Pioneer's dead. It's not. It's just again, literally a series of unfortunate events has just like this domino effect has just backslapped the uh well, backhand format. Lemony Snicket made this format. And I think and it's Yeah. And it's it's very uh, it's obviously not surprising of like, you know, how the past I mean it's approaching well a year and a half at this point has been that sort of like online magic is really like what reflects to people like that is the health of magic right now because there there isn't much paper magic right i've had a commander night since this weekend in at least here over in the netherlands uh there were the first in-store drafts i mean most shops still don't want to do it but there was one store here they did an in-store draft and it's like it's super slowly coming back up that draft was even times power remastered because they haven't been able to sell anything yet because people didn't buy paper product um so in that way people think like oh the digital health is magic's health but as uh morrow pointed out in interviews before like magic is much more than digital it, it's still even with arena with everything it's more a paper game than it's not so people see challenges not firing and they put the link. It's like, oh, that means that format isn't good. But it, it's it's two different worlds. I mean, even like building decks, I would consider building decks for doing well in Modo very different from building decks that do well in paper. Like how the Modo format is much faster because deck lists are up to date, cards are more readily available, you don't have to wait for shipping. So they're just two different worlds really it's like comparing like professional football to like oh football is different for for you guys soccer 
uh, professional soccer to like your casual local team. They're just two different things. Yeah. I mean, you look at um, when we had LGS play for Pioneer. I'm sure both of you have played uh, some Pioneer games or uh, in your LGS, right? Some tournaments here yeah. and there uh, before the uh, pandemic. I think I missed like an FNM. Okay. Essentially, I, I had I... five days a week at five different... Like, I got to go to a different store oh, nice. five days a week to play Pioneer in the evenings. Wow. Okay. I don't have that many nearby stores. They're nearby for Houston. They're still like 20, 30 minute drives for me, but I did it. But when you guys played in the uh, LGS as a played pioneer in paper, I guarantee that your local meta or five different local metas were pretty varied or different (laughs) from MTGO's meta, right? Oh, actually... My local meta was full of Niv, but that was just for the reason, because so many people figured out what Pioneer was, opened their trade binder, and it's like, how do I put all these cool cards that I remember in one deck? And the solution was Bring Delight. So I actually played against a ton of Niv, but they were like really wacky builds with cards nobody played. I think I was the only person playing what would be a meta or a tier deck, right? I had Spirits built, I had Blue Eye Control built, and I had... Mono green devotion built. I and everyone else was just playing sort of whatever brews. We I had a friend who I was building, helping him build hardened scales. But I would say I was the only person who had an air quotes meta deck, and that was just because I kept up with the format because I was making the po- our own podcast. Yeah. So that just goes into a show like Alex is right. They're two completely different worlds from one another, and it kind of goes back into just it can be more enjoyable. Uh, to play paper, not just because like it's nice to have the physical cards in your hand. That's usually why I like it. I like actually being able to force to make out the plays and you know have these lines and try to consider them. Having someone sitting across from you, it's just a, a much better experience. That's why we always you know say pretty pretty confidently it's about the gathering and not just the magic, as corny as it is. But I lost my train of thought. Oh my god. <laughs> Is magic an esport? No, not really. We've tried multiple times. It's not. <laughs> no. No, it's it's not. The world will know, except they absolutely won't. Or the world will be misinformed about you casting Ambercleave. Like, that, that, that is like esports in magic. No, but I think what you said, Brett, like, I mean, for me, it's kind of what magic is about. Like, if I didn't find, like, the Discord server we use, or, uh, you know, at that point, if that wouldn't be there, I would have probably, like, run into Crew 3 Discord server or something. I would... I'm not even sure if I would have still been playing Magic right now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it would have just kind of, like, faded from view in, like, this one and a half year. Because, I mean, digital now over webcam kind of does it, but, like, I really miss just sitting across from someone. And I know there's a lot of people that are thinking, like, oh, when the pandemic uh, is over, maybe we, like, will stop shaking hands altogether and that sort of thing, because a lot of people actually find it kind of awkward. It's like, can we please keep the end-of-game handshake? It's like it's maybe the thing I miss the most. Strangely enough, I was thinking about it recently, and it's like I really miss just giving someone a handshake when they've played a good game. Side note: I don't know. It's really like it's sort of a great way to like finish off a game. It's like yeah, now you know, yeah. sort of like almost like the contract, right? The deal we've signed it. You have the two O. My deck is bad. Let's move on. To Speaking the next of discords, just a quick tangent: is it like the biggest sign of just how behind the times on everything Wizards is? That only just last week they were like, hey, join the official Magic Discord server. Play, play spell table under games. construction. Yeah. It's not even ready. 
They're like, this will be ready soon. We fucking promise. <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to be until July that thing, that thing is ready. I guarantee you. Look, I, I, I've been part of official I mean, Wizards Discords groups because we were part of the, the creator program before that died. So I can't imagine. I've seen how well the VIP server is. I can't even imagine how, how poorly this one's going to be run. When you <laughs> when you when your five Wizards employees can't handle like 300 content creators and you're going to have it open to thousands of players. Yeah, and I think... I mean, see. they have... I think to keep Six us people. on on wow. schedule a little bit, we've we've had obviously the you know we've definitely had some some wrongs from Wizard. There's definitely uh, COVID played a huge part in it. Again, we discovered it's a paper format. There's so much about paper magic that people like and Pioneer players enjoy. Almost seems like in particular because again, like Modern and Legacy have very well established online communities, so they kind of kept trucking along, and Pioneer suddenly had to build itself an online community, which is you know, as uh, Brad and I and you certainly know from running a Discord, building an online community is hard. And, um, you know, Pioneer had to do that without anything really promote. Pioneer is just a concept, mm -hmm. right? So that had to build itself uh, a community, which is really hard. So we agree that Pioneer is still a great format and there's a lot to like about it. Um, but I think... Because we had some input from uh, from Ekros, uh from Amit, who uh, you know we spoke to before. Uh, he's an MTGO grinder, so he knows more about this than at least I do, because I don't grind MTGO like he does. Um, so his take on what Pioneer is, I'll just read it out quickly. He says, I think Pioneer is great right now. It's pretty diverse. There's good play gameplay for many different styles. I still think the format does lack some sort of identity, but it's probably the best it's been since Inverter. And I think he makes a really good point there with especially the identity part where Pioneer for a long time has actually been defined by its boogeyman, right? Where we've always had, obviously, at the start, it was always pre-Theros. It was always the best deck was the boogeyman mm -hmm. for that week, right? We had Field of the Dead, Golos, Oko, uh, Nissa at one point, like all those cards being the boogeyman. And then we always, the face of the format, right, when you went on... Uh, MTG Goldfish or something, was always the next deck that was going to be banned. Um, now, it's been Niv for a long time, but even that's fading, and we're getting this like natural evolution. But it is definitely a good point that there's not as clear of an identity to Pioneer as it has. Pioneer's identity, in my view, is just... There's just good magic, and there's a lot of decks that work. And I really love the diversity of it, but there's a lot of formats that have more of a face, right? I think a very telling card for Modern, for example, is Death Shadow, which was a deck that didn't exist in Standard, eventually got together in Modern. But Pioneer has a lot of decks that we've seen in the past, so there's not much in that way that defines Pioneer. Sure, Niv is a relatively new card, and it's shown more up in Pioneer, but that was a thing in Modern. And then some of the other decks, I mean, Demir Control, right? Everybody knows control decks. They've been around since forever. Spirits, old modern deck. Phoenix, old modern deck. Coco decks. I mean, Coco decks have been around for a very long time. Rectos Pyromancer was Mardu Pyromancer. Burn is a very, very classic modern deck. So it lacks that sort of, like, uniqueness that it has. But I think that only makes sense given the format's age and the super powerful standard we've had. So we're going to see downgraded modern decks and upgraded old standard decks. Do you think 
that's like yeah, I think it's just a matter of Pioneer's age. Do you think there's something else at play here, any of you two? Not for the um for the identity aspect. I mean I think the best identity that Pioneer ever had, and it's actually coincidentally the worst identity it's ever had, was Inverter. That was the face of the format for half a year. Like eight months, right? And I kind of miss that in the sense of like the uniqueness it had. Sure, it was tried in Modern, but it didn't have near the success it did in Pioneer. Um, I blame Thassa's Oracle. I'm not going to go down this uh, rant, though. Uh, I, it's not the point. <laughs> so, But since Inverter's been banned, we haven't had that actual like true face. Like you just named off a bunch of decks that are existing in, you know, whether previous standards or Modern itself. And, yeah, that, that can also be a tough sell for a format for some people. Because um, Modern and Legacy, the reason you have these established players is because the same reason you and I, Alex, play Pioneer. Uh, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Ruckman, but it might be. We both have more of a connection with a lot of the cards that we can cast in Pioneer. Where you and I weren't playing standards when Bolt was standard legal. Or Path of Exile was standard legal. Um, or Snapcaster Mage, things like that where like these are cards that people played with they rotated i want to go play them again modern there it is pioneer it's like we both started during amonkhet aether revolt of the gatewatch that kind of standard era so we have more of a connection with t hulk for you nickel bolus uh which you know is an old card but he's been much more prevalent from 2017 onward because he was the big bad of that story for the war um, and then things like Hapatra for me, which is not not good. Uh, Kethis, um, not you know, good. <laughs> a, yeah, a, a lot of more recent stuff uh, just pulls at our heartstrings, and it's harder to get that for people lately for Pioneer. Um, I think because the cards that could pull at the heart, uh, heartstrings now are cards that are just borderline oppressive in current standards. You look at Eldraine. You look at you know, we honestly just look at Eldraine. <laughs> you look at Theros Beyond Death. Um, you look <laughs> at all these cards where it's just like, can you really have a, a connection with a lot of these cards? I mean, you, I'm sure pe some people do, but I'm I'm sure also a lot of people's connection is like, fuck that. You can't card. read it because they were banned. <laughs> yeah, that too. So um, this makes it tough. I will say that yes, I mean, card connection again. I mentioned before we started recording Innistrad's when I started playing, but I really started playing in college with RTR block going forward. So Pioneer is the like entirety of my magic experience encapsulated into one. So I'm pulling at all these different cards. I've seen all these standard formats these sets have been in and a part of. And I, I do agree that, you know, unfortunately with the advent of fire design, a lot of these older cards are going to have trouble breaking through the clouds. But I think with Kaldheim and Strixhaven and even to an extent Zendikar, we're seeing fire design finally hit a balancing point where I think, Going forward, a lot of these newer cards aren't going to be as pushed down against the pre-Fire Design cards. Where Fire Design, the current sets are going to be still more powerful than what we've seen before. But, you know, I mean, plus, like, look, Theros block, the original Theros block, I mean, should have been a two-set block. Like, they really struggled with making Born of the Gods and Journey of the Nyx two really good fleshed-out sets. But that's not the discussion we're here for. Um, as for identity, I would question... Is Pioneer, is the identity of Pioneer the fact that it doesn't 
have a main face of a format. You know, it doesn't have a Splinter Twin, it doesn't have a pot, it doesn't have whatever the main modern deck is at the time. But we, at, at the, with the Crew 3, we've been talking the whole time of, and define the format by what we are calling, like, the pillars of the format, right? You think of, like, your your Smash God Hall of Famers, your Mount Rushmores, you think of your Mono Black Aggros, your Spirits decks, the Phoenix decks, the decks that have been around since the format has begun, and they maybe aren't, you know, winning the, the, the trophy every now and then, but they still can show up. We've seen a big resurgence in Phoenix. Mono Black Aggro picks up here and there. Is the format not defined by one deck, but the fact that, hey, here's like six decks that you buy one of those and you could just show up to an event and just have a good time no matter sort of when this event has taken place. Yeah, I think I think you make a really good point there. And it's 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 a thing Brad and I have been you know, and I'm sure you do. I've been saying whenever we went over a metagame analysis or something, and even if there wasn't much to say, it's because it boiled down to, yeah, think of every deck that you enjoyed playing in Pioneer in the past year, and it's there, right? Unless you like playing copies. Inverter. The... Then, sorry. Yes, unless but you like playing to, Inverter, But we need to have a talk that... as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... We've had, but the question sort of about like what is ident- uh, what's the identity of Pioneer? What's like the face card? Uh, you know, people like Brad arguing like, hey, you know, it had a face at one point. It's just a face that people didn't like. It does seem to be a thing that people sort of gravitate towards, and they want to have a face. Maybe they want to have a boogeyman to be interested. In people form, want right? to know want a to meta to if... anti against. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think for a lot of people you know, who are looking for a face uh, for the format. And, you know, a card, a, a deck I brought up before was like Death Shadow, which was really like a born-in-modern deck and hadn't really had precedent outside of modern. I just feel like in Pioneer, we just don't have our Death Shadow yet. Like, because um, it's such an underexplored format, there's... If, if people are looking for a deck building challenge and they can't afford Modern Horizons card because Asper Sentinel is like $70, then Pioneer actually provides a super cool deck building challenge, right? I um, I had a... Um... Brad, can I talk about the EDH thing we're doing tomorrow? Sure. We had... Um... We had... Uh, an event, a thing we're going to do. We're going to uh, cooperate with who are they again? I'm very sorry. I miss. I'm terrible at names. Brad, help me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Gonna, I'm just gonna fuck. I am so bad at names. I, I regularly forget people's names. But we're doing a thing where we're playing an EDH deck, but we can only use Pioneer cards. Oh, so I've wanted to do this I for a while now. Was it good? Did you enjoy it? So, well, we're, oh, we're doing okay. it tomorrow. But I decided to build. I decided to build Cody. Uh, because I already wanted an EDH deck for Cody, so I was like, oh, well, might as well build this one, and if it's fun, I'll, I'll upgrade it. So, you know, I went through the grueling task of Grown to Scryfall and type in instant or sorcery search, and went through all of them, and there are so many cards where I was like, wait, this is Pioneer Legal? And then I, I'd consider myself pretty invested in the format, and I, I, I like to occasionally brew with weird cards, and there were so many things like, you know, I mean, it's it's not even, like, necessarily the best card, but I was like, oh, Urban Evolution? Is that from RTR? Right? And there's just, like, so many cool cards to find that there has to be something out there. Like, I, I can't believe that there's not a card out there that, in hindsight, everyone's going to be like, of course it's great. 
right? We had a format where you fetch yourself, shock yourself, cast a thought seize, and it took people like three years to figure out that a card is good when your life total is low. And it's like, I'm constantly taking myself to like 13 on turn one. And it took still so long for people to figure out Death Shadow was a good card. So there is something out there, and there is the biggest deck-building challenge that we've had in a very long time for the people who are interested. Uh, just and to... you're going you're gonna to be rewarded. It's, it's like finding... The, uh... Uh, like... I'm sorry, go ahead. It's like we, we just... Who's it who built up multiple modern decks? Was it the Magic Aids? Who effectively was one of the first people to settle on humans and hardened skills in modern? At least I still remember him being somewhat credited for those decks. Like, you know, if you want to have your name on something. Yeah. Uh, the thing tomorrow, by the way, is with the Drop Return podcast. Uh, it's featuring EK from that uh, podcast. Uh, and I don't know which other person will be doing it with him. Thank okay. you. It's one, it's 1.30 in the morning for me. I'll use that as the excuse to always be bad at names, even in the middle of the day. But Sometimes I'm like, who's that guy yeah. I record with again? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> no. But as for the deck... The, Kidding, Brad. It only took me three As for the deck-building challenges, I mean, we've had the Does It Slap segment on our show, just people submitting deck lists and wanting critiques and stuff like that. Actually, before... It was either Strix or Caldine, I forget which set. We just, instead of doing Does It Slap because cards were being spoiled, we had just a deck challenge for that week. And now we're bringing that back as a monthly thing. We just finished a whole... Last month was, hey, take care of Precinct 1... Everyone get a color combo. Submit your Hero Precinct one deck list, um, and then this coming I month, five we, color. this coming month we have Steel Steel Overseer as the card to brew around. So we're, we're again, you just we're, we're trying to get people to explore the format as well. Like it, it's it definitely is underexplored for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the thing I want I want to start doing. So I've I've got a couple of week a couple of busy weeks ahead, but afterwards, you know, I'll have I'll have like a like two months or something of not having too much to do, and that's definitely a point where I want to start brewing up weird stuff too. Like I've always been intrigued by the card Lavinia, uh, the Azorius Renegade, and especially like its interaction with card like Spellqueller. And I just want to start thinking of, like, weird cards like that and just try and, like, brew around it and find something silly and, um, you know, get get sort of get the juices flowing again because I do really like brewing. And it's definitely a thing that even, like, surprisingly enough, if I look on, like, the Pioneer Reddit, sometimes people seem to, like, almost discourage each other from brewing, which I find a weird thing to see. Like, today someone was like, oh, yeah, is there a Texas-style deck? And everyone was just like, no, just play Green White Company. And it's like... What yeah. do you mean? We've got Avon Mind Sensor in this format. We've got Three Mana Thalia. Sure, it's not the best Thalia, but we've got Three Mana Thalia. We've got Spell Queller. We've got Avon Mind Sensor. We've got Lavinia. Like, if you want to build taxes, build taxes, right? Not, do you want I've to try make, taxes. Do you want to make a living playing Magic? Or every, good, or? Every, every set, I give it a go. I, I have the, the Death and Taxes deck list on Goldfish. <laughs> every set we come out, we, we go through the cards... It's close. It is just waiting for one, like, or two cards to really unlock it. But really, it's kind of, it is going to be right now just play Coke. It's, it's Coke, I just essentially call, like, Celestia Company the taxes deck of the format, right? It's kind of either going to be a Humans variant or it's going to be a Coco variant. It's close. It, we're, we're really close. We're going to get there at some point. I remember when I went on uh, Reddit, I think it was, like, about, like, six, seven months ago, and I was like, hey... Uh, I really want to uh, do a Hero Precinct one, and uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, here's my build, 
anyone have any input? And someone's like, why don't you just play Rakdos and do like, you know, Young Pyromancer? And I'm like, if I wanted to play Rakdos Pyromancer, I'd fucking play Rakdos Pyromancer. Like, well, that's not what I'm asking. Reddit just wants to be, Reddit wants to be the most correct about the thing and not answer your, be correct about your question. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why play that bad? They just want to put a statement thing. out there that is factually yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> It's just it's just one of my pet peeves. It's like can just let people have fun. I, I I'm well aware that Hero is a bad deck for the most part. Like I've had a lot of fun and I've won games with it. But like it's just like when you're trying to beat a mid range deck, like like Niv. Uh, well, Alex is gonna shoot me because I Niv's not a not a mid mid range deck to him. Um, but uh, it you can't go over top that. <laughs> I, I can, will die on that hill. <laughs> I mean, no, no but one. It's a control Reddit deck. Reddit just assumes everyone wants to five other league or win the challenge, right? But not everyone wants to do that. Everyone just wants yeah. to go. Again, a big portion of the pioneer players, going back to not a lot of digital conversion, was just the players who've been playing for t- like three, four years who had a binder of cards and were like, "What can I build with my collection?" Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a, a challenge that I experienced with um, with the podcast. Is that because the uh, you know we're generally covering challenges that sort of thing you know if we cover like more like metagamey stuff and it's something that I have a harder time like putting myself in that seat because that's generally not the player I am like I am the guy that like I I brew up and I try and perform well but like at an FNM at a showdown and. You know, a couple of months a year, uh, a couple of times a year, we've got like the Dutch Open series. I've been to like one or two. I've been to a GP, that sort of thing. But I think I, I fit more in that crowd. Like, hey, I'm going to go to fun, casual events. And number one priority is going to be fun. But I get fun out of doing well with the deck I love. And it's harder to, uh, to speak to that crowd because the crowd, that crowd doesn't have much to do. Outside of obviously on our Discord, where we have more people who do this type of thing, but you know, people who maybe aren't on a Discord or are maybe like more invested in like the like super competitive side, as you said, like the you know the crowd that wants to five o their leagues and win every challenge. I don't know how you how you over crew three have experienced so, that. It's sort of like difficult because that crowd seems more present now it, because the more casual crowd just it doesn't is have nice an because we do have a more competitive i guess would say core ricky definitely is that gp grinder he had pro points and stuff like that back in the day um i i was a judge for i was an l2 judge so every ptq i'd be head judging he'd be in the car with me riding to play in them i am definitely a as since i was the judge uh playing more just my fnms and things of that nature but i will jump into a ptq i'll jump into an iq if it's nearby just get a little bit more of a competitive gameplay going is to really just sort of you know put some gas in the tank just have a little more of an edge chris used to be that but now he's just sort of at the fm level and stuff like that so we do have a bit of a gradient but i do agree you you kind of have to figure and sort of cater to two very different groups of the people who care about the metagame and what's going on and then the people who just sort of want to enjoy the format and just know and try things and just hear theory crafting and other just general thoughts on the format. Yeah, it's like, uh, and I agree, like, I've, you know, visited the occasional PTQ, but for me, it's sort of like to keep myself, I think you said to, like, keep yourself yeah. sharp, right? Like, you've done well at a couple of FNMs, you feel like your brew, your brew is actually, like, a good deck, 
But then, like, hey, there's a PTQ. Let's see if this deck's actually good. Or if it's just, like, rolling over people at FNM good. But I think an interesting thing is, for example, a card that I've been interested in uh, recently is uh, over uh, Overwhelming Denial. Um, but, you know, it's harder to sort of, like, if I would talk about that on the cast or, like, make content regarding that card, it's probably more of an, hey, look at this quirky card that you can do fun stuff with. And not really the, yeah, this is going to break your meta in two with this ridiculous counterspell that no one's heard of. Like, And it's it's hard to find that balance because of these two very different worlds. You'd almost have to, like, flag your episode. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a this is a Spike episode, and this is a Brewers uh, yeah, episode. All, all of our, you know, we, we front load, like, 10, 12, maybe 20 minutes on just, mm-hmm. here are the challenge results, here's the current meta, and then the rest of it is just, like, here's for everyone else who doesn't care about the, that 20-minute meta. <laughs> and, like, we had some guy who was just, like, we did a really dumb, fun thing that was like a 10-minute skit at the beginning of an episode. He's like, you should really chapter tag your I don't care about that dumb shit you put in like the, the beginning of the episode. I just come here for the meta now. So like, <laughs> all right, man. Wow. And then you have the people who are just like, I just want to read your, your show notes. Just Can you just transcribe your entire episode for me? It's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, last week our episode was <clears throat> me ranting for 40 minutes about robot dinosaurs in space landing on Amonkhet. So, you know, we, we have, we all have our little, and it was really well received. Actually, <laughs> it actually really was. It's uh it's actually, um, uh, it's on pace to be like we, our third most listened to episode. <laughs> That's I, look, I, I mean, we were a little bit nerve. I had a talk with our editor. We were a little bit like, I got a DM from our editor. We were a little bit worried. Like, so like, Brad really popped off on the great hench, didn't he? It's like, I don't know. We had to bleep him a lot. We were a little bit worried about pushing it. Because I was honestly like, I don't know, like, did, did Brad, like, push the envelope? And then the whole res- response on our Discord was like, this episode was great. I, I, <laughs> Talk more about robot dinosaurs in space, I think my problem is our viewer base <laughs> is just, like, too young for some of our jokes. Like, Ricky and I redid a scene ah. from Gone in 60 Seconds, and I'm like, we got no response. And it was, like... It was it was the Ferrari dealer scene, and it was it was great. I, that was probably one of my favorite bits we've done in our whole show. Where I was Nick Cage, he was the car salesman, and I was just like, you know, moderns for self indulgent wieners. If you know the the God of Sixty Second scene I'm talking about, it was modern versus pirate. It was great, but I like no one said anything about it. <laughs> Next time you should do a faceless one. I got I got a Make lot of response though. Cage. When I plugged the Yub Nub song from the original cut of Return of the Jedi, I did get a lot of good response from that, though. There you go. If you haven't listened to that, <laughs> oh, I remember that. Find your perspective. No, I. I Every, if you no, if if listeners <laughs> haven't listened to that, go look it up. Yub Nub song, it's hype as hell. Man, but we all agree that we love Pioneer right now. We're happy with where where it's at. Um, we can definitely see some changes that you know we would like to have um for the format itself but going back to everything that's been happening with wizards and things like that are we worried about the format we have all these great uh, great things to say about the format we're high on the format and we love this uh we love playing this format we, we just love the format in general i can say format seven more times but it comes down to are we worried about it like do we <laughs> have any sour feelings about the future of it alex start with you sure i'll i'll keep it short because i i'll basically repeat what i said two weeks ago when we when we talked about this i'm not worried about pioneer i'm worried about the public perception of it which i guess 
I would say is like two different things. I'm not worried about the format being fun, right? I think once someone gets into Pioneer, they'll realize how fun of a format it is. I'm worried that the public perception is going to be sour to the point where people won't try it. And because of, you know, circle jerking on social media and people reading too much into Challenging Not Fire. Now it's concerning, but people read into it too much that people will be like, I'm not going to try a format that's dead. And that's the only thing that I'm really worried about. I'm not worried about the format not being fun because it is, honestly. Um, I would say, worry-wise, as long as there is a consistent interest in the format, even no matter how small, right? As long as you have your Claudios, your Ekrosses, and your other, the, the, the big real MTGO grinders, as long as they're still going in it, I'm not worried. You just have to keep some amount of interest going for the next, let's say, year to two years until we can have paper events really returning, right? Outside of just the LGS size. Once that can return, all bets are off and Pioneer's just gonna, you know, continue to grow and be re-engaged with again. You just have to keep a general local interest going and it's just going to be how can you keep that interest and participation going until those paper events can really start returning again. And that's just not even just about Pioneer, that's magic in general, honestly. Yeah. No, except well, that will just never die. As long, <laughs> yeah. like, from a competitive standpoint, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, Alex, you said that you know you're not worried about Pioneer in the sense of the format, just the public perception. You said that once people play the format, they'll realize, hey, it's pretty cool. I should play more of this. How do we get them to play the format, though? I know, um, I know, uh, Ruckman, you had a thing with your uh, with your server that you're talking about in terms of like promoting the format. Um, some different ideas you guys were tossing around. Yeah, so there's a few different things. I mean, at least from a wider internet-based perspective, right? I mean, I only have enough time in the week to stream for like four or five hours, right? We make the podcast. I make as much content as I can generally fit in to keep people invested, keep people interested, keep people going. Uh, now we're talking and sort of loosely organizing. It's really just the ground level grassroots right now. We're trying to really formalize a plan on just getting more people in the community involved. We're having, we have a little sign-up sheet on our Discord for people, hey, say you like playing Pioneer, you like playing Magic on, like, digitally and stuff like that, but you don't want to be a content creator. You don't want to do a lot of talking. You don't want to be a public face. Well, we're having people sign up. They can run through a league. They can play some games with the deck, send them into us. Then we're going to have some other people go ahead, commentate over them, make a little highlight reel, compile it all together, and just sort of highlight and show off various decks of the format. Now, that's sort of what we're doing digitally. Uh, if you guys sort of want to break this between digitally and locally, uh, that's great. You guys can sort of have your digital ideas, and then I have a, a thing really I like as an idea of, and we really pushed it in a one of our Patreon exclusives, but it's not... I, I totally fine sort of talking about sort of our idea for building at least local interest. So do you want me to go into that? Do you want to just talk digital for a little bit? How do you guys want to go forward? Uh, I'm cool with... Uh going into um your first idea i mean digital is what it is yeah so i know that they're two separate worlds yeah so really though obviously hey at least in the u.s paper plays back right so how do you get your store involved you could be the 
people played Pioneer, right? But they're not really sure what's going on because, again, all they see are the everyone just punching down the front on the social medias, right? Which, again, whatever. Um, what I've recommended and what I've always found to be as a good thing is, you know, it, it worked when I first started Pioneer coming around. It, we did it with Popper when I where Popper, we started Popper playing some of my, this is, this is a tried and true method of, hey, build a couple decks if you want to either proxy them up or build some budget lists. There's a great budget list pinned to the Pioneer subreddit. It's in our Discord. We compiled it. Three different tiers of budget deck lists. Uh, $100, $50, 7 ticks. Again, we talked about 7 ticks. Um, build some decks, proxy some decks. Find a time that you can go to your LGS that you think other people could go. So, you know, Two hours on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, whatever. Post in your Discord, post your local Facebook page. Say, hey, I'm going to be at the shop for two hours, for an hour and a half, whatever. You know, take your phone with you, have some fun. Do Be able to do something while you're waiting for people to show up. Say, I'm going to have some Pioneer decks with me. Come play, come enjoy the format. And then, you know, it's people might not show up the first time. Just sort of keep at it, keep going. You're, it's not going to succeed overnight. Don't just try to force an FNM or a, a weekly event, because then you're just going to have the same problem the challenges have, perspective-wise. Just sort of, again, show up for a couple hours, say, I'm going to have a few extra decks, come play some Pioneer, and then if you get those people to start expecting you to consistently show up at that same around that same time every weekend, you're going to build a player base up to then go, we want to start holding weekly events, we want to kind of raise the stakes a little bit, have some fun, play for a booster pack or two. That's sort of my real idea. Uh, I don't know what you guys, your thoughts are on sort of ideas and building at least on your local levels. I, mean, I really like the idea of just like hanging out at your LGS, be like, hey, guys on Facebook, hi, uh, can, can you come play Pioneer with me, please? Because like my local LGS is a, is a Yu-Gi-Oh store primarily. Um, it, unfortunately, there was this really stupid drama thing that happened between like three different stores and MTG. And a lot of the MTG community left that LGS. So it's a Yu-Gi-Oh store. But I see all the time, well, not lately until very recently because it just opened back up for play, um, I would always see people just post like, hey, uh, anyone around to you know, get a couple games in and whatever. And that The Yu-Gi-Oh community and Pokemon community as well for that store is incredibly tight. Um, and that little bit of um, extra you know, social interaction that you have for your, uh, your community is, makes all the difference, just the consistency. Yeah, I um, I had this um, with my previous L, my first LGS that sadly closed in my uh, my hometown. That that had a lot of that going on, where I would regularly be at the LGS just to like jam games with people, and people would meet up because you know for pretty much everyone in town it would be like maximum of like a fifteen twenty minute bike ride or like a ten minute bus ride or something, and everyone would be there. Uh, the other LGS that had some of that in uh, Rotterdam, where I live nearby, that one didn't survive the pandemic. And the other one that is still being played at is... Um, it's kind of out there. You can get there easily by car, but pretty much every other way to get there is a little bit iffy. Um, but it's definitely a thing that I would encourage people to do if you have the opportunity, right? Like, make... Make something like, uh, I mean, Facebook is Facebook groups aren't as popular over here, but we had it on WhatsApp on our phone. Like, make a WhatsApp group. Um, definitely, I think the big one is have things at the ready, to like other decks, right? Make sure you've got a couple of decks. Also, make sure maybe that, like, you know, this was a big one for me that I learned maybe the hard way. It's like, if control is really your thing, but a lot of people locally don't like it, maybe... 
maybe also make sure that you've got a different deck, right? So people get a bit of variety, so they know when you sit across from them, it's not like, oh, it's that guy again, right? But um, I think that's a thing I would, as you said, would really encourage people doing. It's I think it's a really good way to build your community. And I think um, maybe one thing you could try, and it's it's definitely something I would, is that even for events... Um, speak with your LGS owner about what level of uh, proxying or whatever is allowed to generate interest, right? I have four or five Pioneer decks lying around, but the problem is all of them have a playset of Thoughtseize in them. Or almost a playset of Thoughtseize. I do not own 12 copies of the card Thoughtseize. So if I want to lend some on my deck, I'm going to have to swap them with Duresses. And that that's not always the same card, Right. So, but I think there's a lot of LGSs who would probably be pretty chill with the fact that, like, hey, these Thought Seasons are proxied in the second extra deck I'm bringing a friend with. Uh, is that okay with you? Right? You could even contact them beforehand. I think especially now post-pandemic, I think LGSs would be very willing to do that sort of thing just to get people in the store. And I'm not saying that as a way, like, oh, take advantage of your LGS now they're down, right? And try and, like, bend the rules as much as you can. But I think... There's a, um, what do you call that? Uh, a common interest between you and the LGS owner to get people to the LGS. And I think a lot of LGSs are very willing to accept like things coming out of their community and individuals being like, hey, I want to bring in these decks, right? Hey, um, what was it called? Game Day? Where you? No, it wasn't Game Day. But where did you get people to learn magic at the store? Was uh, game it game was day? kind no, of was, Game Day. There was, was also like a wel- it was like Welcome Day or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, open, open house. house. We yes. call at least we called it open that's house. What it was. Yeah. Um, like I don't think that's officially supported by wizards anymore, but that doesn't stop you from going to the LGS and being like, "Can we do like an open house thing?" Because I remember when I did open house around Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation. I think both times I was the only person to be there all day, and I introduced two people to play Magic the Gathering who kept playing it until the pandemic, and then. You know, they found other interests because they weren't as interested as others, and especially they were both young kids. You know, their friends didn't play Magic, so then it kind of felt... But, like, they would have still been playing a ton, I'm sure, had this not happened. And that was literally just me. Being like, hey, can I just, like, you know, go to your LGS owner and be like, could you put a Facebook post up and that, like, in two weeks on a Saturday, you know, people are there to play, to teach people how to play Magic, and it'll be me and a buddy. Yeah, and I think your LGS would be super willing, re- and they'll give you a pack or two to hand out. And I remember those open go. houses because there was one year one of the decks had Elvish Mystic in it, and that Elvish Mystic had a special tag set symbol on it or whatever, and that Elvish Mystic was like ten dollars for like a year. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. because it was like. Only in that core set, it, it was it was weird. So you got one in like each bot at welcome deck. It was weird, but it was anyway. That's a whole other tangent. I just remember getting the uh, the free uh, hour devastation uh, full art foil mountain uh, for for doing the welcome deck, and I was like, this is so cool. I'm gonna play this game forever now, and here I am. <laughs> but like in general, though, I I do miss guy. Gate, gate, when game days stopped, I was I was hilarious. I think game days were were a great local event. Like when they when they yeah. game when they got rid of game days in Grand Prix trials, that was a big deal because Grand Prix trials, right? It's like my LGS used Grand Prix trials as a 
to get the competitive players a little more extra fun going, right? We we're in, I'm in Houston, Texas. We'd have Grand Prix trials for GP Boston. And it's like, no one's going to that, but hey, 10, 10 bucks, <laughs> have a little higher stake standard event, go have fun, right? Like, I just, events like that need to come back. I mean, yeah. I think this ties well into a point that works uh, both digitally and online, really. And um, it's one of the, you know, talking points Acros gave us about, like, how do we get people interested in the format? How do we promote it? And he says, uh, Wizards could give us pioneer, more Pioneer tournaments, but that would mostly be Moxes and PTQs. The problem is they're figuring out uh, organized play right now, so there are no PTQ formats in the near future. And I think this applies from Wizards' sides in both ways. Right? Again, we got rid of uh, Nationals. We, we got, yeah, we got rid of Nationals. We got rid of Game Day. I believe the World Championship is no longer represented with just three people from the country because one of those was the winners of nationals would be one of the three people to go to uh to go to worlds and i think that is a very important part from from wizards you know if we're talking like we can you know we just talked about how can we get some people to the store you know how can we set things up or get people interested and have your proxy decks and that sort of thing talk to your lgs owner but coming from wizards that is a thing they need to do when we've talked about this before what they even had to do online they have to make playing high they have to make higher stakes magic actually higher stakes magic because challenges and even like i think for a long time when the pandemic just started we had moxes online but they didn't actually lead to anything because there was no tournament for you to qualify for because we didn't actually know what tournaments were going to be there I think the next Pro Tour had like 300 people qualify or something because they all kept winning events on Moto, but there was no Pro Tour for them. Are to there go. any of these events and... even scheduled right now? Because I th- I know there's a big deal where they just were they're off. Not the that schedule. I know. Yeah, not that I know. I believe there's nothing there. So Wizards needs to have a way again. High stakes have to be high stakes. If there's no stakes, it can't be high stakes either, right? And especially to get people to an LGS. Something like game day, right? Just like, I mean, I've told the story before about how my first step into competitive magic was the fact that there was a Glorybringer promo for me to win at my LGS, right? And just, it doesn't take much to trigger a magic player to get invested. You can give them a promo, right? If there is a cool FNM promo, people will try harder. This even applied to the ones where they now just changed the border, which I actually really like. When in Ravnica we had the Grove Spiral one, which was both a good card and a really pretty promo. That cycle of FNMs, I think like we had like 25% more people show up every FNM. Just because there was a cool promo. To you give win. me a chance to win and, a champion yeah. a, a playmat that just says champion on it, I'll be there. I had I miss I ended went second on the game day where we had the Nicol Bolas one on that said Mastermind oh. instead from Hour of Devastation. So I came in second. I was got... so mad, especially because the guy who beat me later became a really good friend of mine, but I didn't know him at the time. So I was like, "Oh, the bastard!" And then later I met him. And I was like, "Oh, you're you're the guy that made sure I didn't get the cool mat." Nice I have a me. couple like. <laughs> and then I went to a GP. I have a couple event. generic <laughs> IQ ones. I have. The, tef- the the game day playmat with Teferi here of Dominaria. I have yeah, I've got, I have I've the got one, one for Ravnica, which is like the key art with the planeswalker symbol. And then I have I actually got second 
You mean the one with the, that's like yes. autumn? Where you sort of yes. see like the, I have that and same then, one. I've won those two. To well, here's now. one you probably don't have. I have one that is from Dragon's Maze, where I got second in a PTQ. That was like a 200-man PTQ. Uh, no. It has like the top. It's like Pro Tour Qualifier Top 8 on it. It was great. Was I played an event after that, and the kid was like, were you on the Pro Tour? I was like, no, kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, there's always this qualifier. <laughs> I wish I was on the Pro Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another one we have here is we. So I talked about the Dutch Open series, and every entry of the Dutch Open series has a unique mm. playmat for that one only. And they're always really cool art. Some ones they're like straight ripoffs, and they're great. I've got one that looks just like Imperial City from uh, Elder Scrolls Four, and it's not called that, but it's one hundred percent that. Um, but I know most people they go there. And the moment you sit down for your first match, they hand you the playmat, and they just have this look on their face of like, I've already won the prize. Why there, am I here? The GP like, New Jersey that had the, the legacy GP with the Brainstorm playmats or whatever, that GP had a huge turnout. Just people that signed up for the Brainstorm sleeves, pin, and playmat, and they just dropped around one. Exactly. I mean, hoping people don't drop around one, but just that, right? It's so... And that's, that's a Brainstorm one, but it's really easy to trigger people to get to show up they you can give them a, a cool alternate art for an uncommon they'll hardly ever play right but you say oh but it's just for this game day They're i have a place in a dry militant right. somewhere around here around my desk of those of those full art promos <laughs> i mean like it's so simple right and i we joked on our show that when flesh and blood announced their organized play and wizards like what are we gonna do i'm like look wizards Here's all you have to do. Just copy this organized play. Because this is what you guys used to do in the first place. They copied your playbook, so why don't you just go back to this? So one thing that, like... Yeah, 100%. One thing that I really miss about playing Yu-Gi-Oh! is the OTS tournament packs. Are you guys familiar with those? You mean the ones that made Mechanical Chaser a $200 card? Yes. Okay, so they're great. (laughs) <laughs> they're they're great because okay they're they're always reprints they're never new they're not exclusive cards this is not the Walking Dead secret layer thing this is these are reprints but not anymore yes that's a, that was um, a big announcement I enjoyed yeah uh, so the OTS tournament is the official uh, official tournament store uh, tournament pack um, and when you go enter in a Yu Gi Oh tournament for an OTS tournament uh, it's a paid entry. Um, about five bucks and you get a tournament pack for entry and if you win you get more That's of them. Ja- weird and Japanese gambling packs. laws yeah um, <laughs> and uh, if you but these packs usually have really awesome reprints um, and the rarities are always way cooler more obnoxious than magics Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't have mythics rares commons and uncommons they have commons but they have uncommon, but they have They've got like rare. 17. <laughs> oh, yeah. They got super rare. They got secret rare. They got ultimate rare. They got ultimate parallel rare. They got uh, secret star rare. They got... Um, and they have ultimate rare is, is the big one. Ghost the rares, is, which aren't see-through. Ghost rares are no longer even printed. That's very sad. I wish they would bring them back. But anyway, uh, so OTS oh. packs have commons, super rares, and ultimate rares. And uh, everyone's but, always looking at But Brad, we have things. tournament packs. Not like these. Oh, you don't like the you fancy Planeswalker cool symbol stamp? No. <laughs> no. 
I, 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 cool I, I don't like the Planeswalker stamp, but I, uh, I am a sucker for the borders that just have like the shifted extra cool color, like the Eliminate promo, the Dovin's mm -hmm. Veto promo. I got that a type. I actually really like those, uh, but I could see why people be like, can I actually just have like new art? I mean, if there's one thing we learned from the Secret Rares is that the cost of printing a magic card isn't in the art. Because they printed basic lands without art, and they're charging you the same. So, With, art isn't the magic problem. Characters just, magic players just want a carrot dingle in front of them. When I was in college, we were at a store that had... It was like the only real store to play magic, right? And it was a college town. We would have six-round FNMs before the top eight... Just for the two FNM promos, because there was it was free entry. There was no other prize support. First and second place got one of the FNM promos that week. I was playing FNM till three in the morning because I wanted that promo. I mean, could you just and this this is like the actual easy mode? Right? Could you imagine they take that just that we take the same art but we do the border treatment for like Burning Tree emissary to promote Pioneer. Because it's mostly a pioneer play card, but it even works outside of that. So you might be have, a, have a modern player be like, hey, I'll pick that up. Or we see cards that like overlap. Do that for, I mean, it's got the old border reprint now, but do that for Monastery Swift Spear or something. It's for Soul Scar Mage. And you just take the art you already have, the border treatment you already have, you slap them together, and you make sure that every pioneer FM fires for the next two months. <laughs> How easy is it, really? The cost zero because we know because I got sent yeah. a, a, a sheet of War of the Spark because I couldn't buy a product from them. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, from our perspective, the printers are literally in the country next to us. Like, when you actually print the money, it's it's pretty easy just like to hand it out. So yeah, there's nothing stopping them, and it's just cardboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they could always, you know, increase their quality or improve their quality for uh, foils and things like that. So they're on the right track now. They're on the right track decks. now. Hey, the, uh, the Unless someone gives things. you wrong advice about how to get rid of your curling. Okay, look, we don't have to go back into that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly, American bread has this amazing quality to it that helps with curling. <laughs> this story is going to be very weird out of context. Uh, Brad had... Um, I have a War of the Spark uh, stained glass nickel bolas that I got from a friend. But it's curled, and uh, that way, like, it, it kind of still stood out in my decks, and I didn't really like that. Like, what if I go back to paper, and I really have, like, an angle shooter, right, who really looks at my deck and spots that little bit that's off, and then calls it, blah, blah, I just don't want to deal with the, with the bollocks. And Brad was like, well, I know how to do this, and you sort of, like, make your own, what do you call that? Humidifier. Yeah, your own humidifier by just taking, like, like, a, like a box or whatever putting a card in and putting in some bread. And he told that to me and Risen, who's another admin of ours from, uh, from our server from Germany. And we both did it. And they went from being curled one way to being curled the other way. So it didn't actually fix anything. So I joked to Brad, like, what is an American bread that makes it so it interacts differently with cardboard? I'm going to guess sugar content. Yeah. <laughs> that that well, is actually very likely. We, we, I, I, mean, I you went at and Subway, I, I they can't. No, go ahead. Oh, I we were at a grocery store once, and this grocery store chain makes great cornbread, and we were buying it, and we're like, the ladies like, we're waiting for it, right? They're like, oh, here's your cornbread, I'm like, oh, this stuff's great, and this lady who was from Europe, who was just like, 
I can't eat it. She's like, you guys put way too much sugar in this compared to cornbread that I would get over in Europe. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, I think it was Ireland. So now I know next time I add bread, a little bit there of sugar, and then my carts are perfectly flat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Ireland made it so And then that, like a uh, month later, Goldfish public that article with someone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where they Goldfish found, like, had that article and liked yeah. how perfectly straight in them. If I had just waited a month... Yeah, Bolus got a sandwich. It's okay. Hey, I, I, it fixed it. It's better now. Somewhat. I had to, like, do it, like, by hand. And I was at this point, like, it's so curled, it's kind of messed up anyway, so now I might as well just, like, you know, really try and have a good go at it, and then I managed to kind it's of... What all, it's it what all flat. your high, old high school yearbooks are for. True. <laughs> or your 7,000 bulk magic cards. Yeah, I put it in between uh, a very thick book and then put all the magic cards that I own nice. on top, basically. <laughs> so that was a lot of weight. We talk about what Wizards can do. We talk about like how we can promote the format and like things that we can you know help with Pioneer. Last thing, it falls back on us, the players, because first and foremost, before we are content creators doing these podcasts or streaming or anything like that, we are players of the format first. That's why we're here. If I didn't play the format, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so, what can players do overall to just you know help Pioneer move forward? And I, I think. Ekros said it best. Um, and again, shout out to Ekros for... He wasn't able to be here tonight because he had a late stream, but he helped us out by giving us uh, some of his views on it and that he's letting me read out um, so he can be here in spirit. He said just straight up, the players can just play the format, sign up for the challenge, build new decks, tune existing archetypes. Basically, I think we need more people active in the format. And yeah, that's literally what it boils down to. Now, we need some help from Wizards first to make Pioneer more accessible, putting it on Arena. Um, you know, paper play coming back is a, is a huge step forward. Um, and the Arena thing is so frustrating. But if they can finally do it, Pioneer would blow up in instantaneously. Especially, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to Historic, but there's been a lot of backlash the last couple of days in regards to the mystical archives, a lot of, a lot of pro players um, being like, "Yeah, a pro cool tour brainstorm, good, good stuff." Yeah, pro tour brain, uh, brainstorm. It was great. Um, they're like, "Yeah, cool experiment with the mystical archives," but you know, hindsight's kind <laughs> of uh, you know, these cards are way too fucking powerful for the format. Can we not do this? Um, so you know, maybe Marina needs uh, well, an imprint of commons at rare. <laughs> That'll slow people down because they can get more wild cards. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like that that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Just double down on your toxic economy, right? Like which is probably why it's harder to but get arena on there or get pioneer on I there. I think to, you know, to go a little bit in your point of like what, you know, what can players do? I mean, you know, it it does kind of boil down to like obviously you can just play the format. I th I think an interesting one is because we just, you know, earlier on we did like, uh, you know, sort of critique Reddit a little bit, but there is also, I mean, we've had it when we like threw questions out there. There's also a really like active, fun, helpful part of, uh, of the Pioneer uh, Reddit. And I felt like if I read some posts, like the magical, the magic sauce, right? You don't have, if you go in saying, does deck X exist? The answer is always no. If you throw in some weird brew and you just say, thoughts? Question mark. 
then you do actually get feedback, people talking about it, making suggestions, that sort of thing. So even just like, you have a, str a weird idea for a deck, brew it up, throw it into the ether, and it just riles up some discussion, right? If that if that's if you're the type of person who gets a lot of time to brew or you have a lot of deck ideas, but you don't really have a lot of time to play, there's still, I mean, you know, there's um, there's the Reddit, there's our Discord, there's Crew 3's Discord. You know, you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Ruckman, that you have, like, a place where people can, like, submit stuff, right? Submit going through yep. the league or submit deck lists. Um, that's all the type of thing you can do is get involved. See if you can get involved in different ways than just shuffling up and playing. Which is obviously the primary and best, you know, the most active way to get involved. But there's other ways to get your creative juices flowing. So people were even talking about just, like, going and making memes of Pioneer, which I thought was kind of fun and just messing around with the dude stuff. Uh, I remade my favorite magic meme using a uh, picture of Ricky with, after being pined in the face of the old LSV, uh, why are you looking at her, how's your mono red matchup? Which I don't think I'm going to actually show to the public just because of the, the contents of that meme, but I'll send it to you guys. You guys will probably get a kick out of it if you know the original meme. Uh, but I, I, you yeah. just got to find different ways, right? I mean, another thing, too, is besides just saying, hey, I'm going to be at the store playing games, if you see someone you know on the LGS page, maybe, you know, talking mad-ish about Pioneer to say, hey, do you want to play games? Like, have you... Because the, the argument I always love, I'm telling people to go get an argument online with the on, on the internet, right? And whenever I see someone punching down on Pioneer, I always love the reply of, do you play Pioneer, though? And then that person will just shut up because they know they don't play Pioneer. Yeah. Off, offer to play games with these people. Yeah. And like Alex said earlier, if you have an extra deck, bring it. Be like, yo, let's play. I got some, I got a deck right here. Let's Proxy it. Not everyone wants budgets. Again, there's that sweet, sweet budget article on the, uh, the Pioneer subreddit. We've got plenty of different decks out there. That's, we're going to keep uh, updating that about every set release. Just keep things going. Keep things going fresh in there. Pine is great. You just got to open your binder and explore. Yeah, definitely. Well, not my binder. My binder's 100% bulk rares. And, like, I have uh, the Transform... Becoming the Dinosaur card. I showed that to Alex the other day. <laughs> and he had no idea it even existed. I was like, yeah! Form of the Dinosaur. Yeah, he's turning into a dinosaur. Look at him. But is the card good? Yeah, I... I mm, no. I've, I forgot about that card. I do remember someone locking themselves, like, locking themselves out of a game, I think, at the pre-release for that one. But that's all I know about and, like, that card. Like, my mind was blown when Claudia was like, yeah, I started putting Sarok uh, in, in Nivdalite, and it's great. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds gross. Just the the yeah. teamer Sarok, right? Like, not not for, not for yes. teamer so I'm like, yeah, that seems pretty gross, right? It's... It's one thing that I think Ekros did mention, which is we need people tuning archetypes. And I think Doomwake said the same thing a few weeks ago on Twitter of just – there are several decks in the format that just need someone to take the reins on them just like Claudio did with Niv to Light and just put in nonstop games and tune those decks up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. There's uh, we, we mentioned that a couple weeks ago, I think – we're talking about it's coincidentally the top decks in the format all have like a torch mm -hmm. carrier with Niv Phoenix to a certain extent uh, spirits you know who was, which was is now the most played deck at least recently if you you know 
can take the incomplete data if, of if goldfish. They, if they even post and... the right challenge results, because let's not forget they posted a challenge from January. True. true. Yeah, true. Wasn't there? Yeah, there was an inverted. Yeah, there, there was. was there? Yeah. Andrew. <laughs> and. <laughs> um. But that deck was basically like single-handedly kept in the metagage by Traft. Yeah. And now it's actually arguably the best deck. It's a deck I love to play in paper, but honestly, I couldn't bring myself to play it in uh, on Mitgo just because I was like, this is a little too much for me to play on Mitgo. But also, they change how Collective Company works, and that really bothers me now on Mitgo anyway. Wait. So... How did it change? So it used to just be they would show you the cards, you'd pick the cards you wanted, and hit OK, and then w- they would put them into play. Now it's you select your two cards, and then it says, do you want to put these creatures into play? No, yes. And it, like, it's just, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I'm just so used to clicking where the OK is, and that wasn't a prompt before, and I just hit no. And I just, wait, where's my Spell Queller? Where's my Supreme Phantom? Oh no. <laughs> what happened, chat? Had to play a second Coco and go, oh, that's what happened. Okay, this is bad. <laughs> they probably had to do it to stop Coco from replaying your game, <laughs> which is probably still the weirdest Modo crash that could happen, where it just replays your entire game for you. Well, it's just it's trying to rebuild the game state. We had an we had an arena early access. We actually crashed the game so hard we got to a dev console. Nice. We had we had to take our stream down for like ten minutes because they're like, "Yeah, can we get a bunch of data from you?" Or like, "Yeah, sure." That's pretty. Wow, fun. I would be proud of that. That's that's amazing. What were you doing that broke it? One of my favorite. What I don't even remember, but honestly, one of my favorite pastimes on Arena because I I barely play any Arena is to just load up a deck with Scoot Swarm and just see how many count tokens I can get before the game dies. <laughs> Before they, uh, you know, at least before before they capped like, before what? they capped it, my record was yeah. at like three thousand tokens triggering, and that took an hour to put them all on the stack, and then the game crashed about thirty minutes into trying to resolve them all. Is that with the Shia where it goes infinite? No, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that bad. Oh. I, I just love that. Now uh, I'm really trying to wrap my head about how you get three thousand scoots. Uh, it was it involved Gar- it involved Green Warden Ancient. All these games I play with this are just against uh, Sparky, just because it's just me being bored trying to see how much I can break this game. What's great was when the game starts <laughs> lagging out, Sparky gets really passive aggressive, and while the game is trying to process putting your stuff on the stack, the game the Sparky will just be like, "Come on, you can do this. Keep going. Are you there?" What's going on? <laughs> Man, I wish uh, Scoots were met uh, some playing Pioneer. But maybe it's good. We've, we've tried. We're, we've gotten really close. We've gotten really close on our Discord and streams. It's all about Xenagos the Reveler. Ah. Wait, what? Four mana Xenagos powering out your Scoot Swarms. And essentially, we called the deck Swarm Fire. Because the point was to get like 10 or 12 Scoot Swarm tokens out. And then he pluses Enigos and just get to like bane fire your opponent to the face. I like that. Okay, I, I really like yeah. that. I really like that. I would rather play that than it's like, like Possibility Storm. Storm. If I'm gonna oh. do something like that, that's awesome. It was great, yeah. fun deck. But hey, if you want to, you know, play these kind of fun decks and enjoy these kind of you know crazy brews, play Pioneer. Get your friends to play Pioneer. 
come on we just go to your lgs hit up that facebook group be like yo i'm gonna be here for a couple hours play or you know make some proxy decks we have the webcam uh, uh you know options available i know on the crew three discord you can play on webcam over there there's the playaway discord with us um either way mm -hmm. i don't care where you are just play that's all we want yeah exactly Before we go out, obviously, Ruckman, you are our guest. First and foremost, thank you so much for being here with us. It was wonderful. Thank to you, you for having me. I've agreed. I've, I really I've enjoyed wanted it. to do this for a while, but it's just been, again, we have three already, and it's just been kind of, it's it's hard to figure out how to get a fourth person in there, and I've wanted to do something with you guys for sure. Maybe we can even get first Pioneers coming and have like a big, again, we'll get the Brady Bunch cameras going, we'll all look at yeah. each other. Look, I mean, the more we have, the better it is. Because, like, just if you're going to just go into this awkward bit of, like, having so many people where it's a clusterfuck, just make it the biggest one you can possibly do. And just, just go. Yeah, of course. Better. Lean into it. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you want to crash Arena with Scoot Swarm, do it. Let's just let's crash the podcast with 12 different people. You know, if, 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 if it's five people on a podcast, it gets awkward. If it's 12, it just, like, it, it just becomes look, amazing I've all of a sudden. I've played Commander games like this. <laughs> in college where it was like hey can i join the commander game sure and it's like at this point we're having an eight-man commander game and there's two people taking their turns going around the table and it's just <laughs> oh it's it's like when like the chess masters or like the the prodigies whatever play like 18 simultaneous games against, yeah like, all these other kids oh that sounds awesome yet awful at the same time oh but <laughs> it was horrible but fun you're right for people to check out more about you, your podcast, and things like that, where can they find you? Yeah, so Crew 3 Pioneer Podcast is everywhere. You know, your Spotify's, your whatever, uh, your Apple Play. Uh, I run our Twitter account, which also has me occasionally shitposting random things and just talking about my general life and giving IT tips like, hey, when you get an email from your boss asking you to buy $600 in gift cards, probably call your boss to find out if that was a real email or not. Uh, that's Crew 3 Podcast on Twitter. And then I stream a couple nights a week and post stream VODs from those on our YouTube channel at Crew3MTG on YouTube and Twitch. Awesome. Alex, you have a Twitter. What is it? Yeah, you can find me uh, at, at Disciple of Bolos. I just realized that I've seen a lot of stuff from Crew3 being retweeted, but I didn't actually follow them myself. So check that if you see them pop around very often and you haven't actually followed them yourself. Um, yeah, and aside from that, you could just, you know, find me hanging out on the on the Playway Discord. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Bradsfer. That's pretty much it. Everywhere. The same thing. I have the same name everywhere else. Everywhere. Uh, yeah, literally everywhere. Uh, which is awful being a, a teacher working in uh, education because, like, once, once kids find one of them, they find all of them. And I'm like, fuck, I got to put everything on private for, like, a week. And, uh, yeah, that's a nightmare. Um Actually, I had that today because I'm doing a summer camp and slash summer school. And, like, one kid was like, yeah, he uh, he streams or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't stream that often. And they're like, why aren't you streaming? Do you play COD? you play Fortnite? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, stop. Please. Leave me alone. No, I play this card game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said it before. I'm like, hey, yeah, dude, I play Magic. Or I just, like, don't do anything on stream. They're like, the fuck? What do you mean you play a card game? Like, what do you what? What is my that? fiance's family loves like all the casino type card games, right? And we're like, do you play cards? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I play real card games though. 
The ones that ruin <laughs> your livelihood because it's an addict. Well, actually, other card games in my casinos are same concept. I mean, I was they about all, to say, yeah. that's more talking about, like, yeah. Eh, whatever. But we also have other podcasts, Pioneer Perspective. There's Pondering Popper, which is the you know podcast with Cali Kais and uh, Digo. They're great. And, uh, of course, check out Crew 3. I love them. Uh, actually, I've been listening to you guys since the beginning. And it makes me happy. I, I always enjoy it. I, it feels like in a whole different world. Because I remember I found you guys because you had that shout out with the professor. Um, and I'm just like. Yes. Just feels that's because like that he literally. loves. Ricky has. It was. I mean, we've been doing the show since. Oh, two, three weeks after Pioneer started, really. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that was because Ricky is part of a YouTube channel that the professor loves. And so he, Ricky was able to do some stuff with him. So we got that shout out there. So, yeah, I mean, we've been here two or three weeks into the format. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're basically, uh, we're the, we're the baby podcast essentially. Cause Alex, we started, uh, we're, uh, we're approaching our one year anniversary. Yeah. We started right when the inverter ban hit like that. that in our first episode is a, um, a pioneer rebirth that was the that's what kicked off the, the podcast we're like hell yeah pioneer's great again inverter's gone meanwhile i'm crying in the corner because fucking kethis is gone too which is bullshit anyway that's okay you guys you guys got to miss every week where we spent every week saying hey inverters number one deck in the format but don't buy them they're gonna get banned we promise it's happened it's coming please <laughs> And then the openness of Unban happened. <laughs> they announced it. Uh, that's still my favorite thing in Magic history to ever happen. That that is my favorite thing, is them saying, "Hey, we're gonna make some changes to Pioneer." And then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Inverter's getting banned." What are they gonna ban? They do Dust Oracle, Dig Through Time, Unban Oath. Do, does it beat Does it beat Felidar's Guardian in Standard? Yes, Felidar yes. Guardian in Standard was another one. That was funny. Well, we're not going to ban it. The win rate's not good enough. Oh, no, it, it's not bad. Me? Two days later, everyone <laughs> buys their cards. <laughs> Never mind, it's banned. It's an e. It's an e ban. It's like I left Yu-Gi-Oh to avoid this shit, and here it is again. Oh my god! Like if but if, if we... my coast Chris ever tells you to buy a card, don't buy it. He had me buy Oko's. The week later, they were banned. Every time Chris says buy a card, it is invariably banned, or like the card that holds that deck together, it's part of, gets banned. Perfect. <laughs> but of course, we love you. We thank you for the support, whether it's through the Discord, Reddit, Twitter, doesn't matter. Listening to us ramble week in, week out about, you know, this dumb card game that we love so much. It means the world to us. And I know Ruckman and you guys at Recruit 3 can share that same sentiment. Of course. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Bye bye. Bye bye.